You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Just a few stories. I, I could spend the whole preach telling stories, and some of you would rather I did. But I just want to share a story from the Word of God as well. You see, one of the frequent themes of Scripture is every generation taking on what God has done in the previous generation and then developing and taking it further. One of the themes of Scripture, in fact, one of the things that often comes through in the Psalms, about generation to generation singing God's praise. Paul writes about it when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. He said that there will be glory in the church in Christ Jesus from generation to generation. Because God has a long-term purpose in transforming this world. And each generation of his people have a role to play in transforming the world in their generation. Won't all be completed until the final step in God's plan, which is when Jesus returns to this world. And he will then do it completely. But it's, it's like a relay race. The baton is passed on. And the greatest example of that is Jesus, who he received the baton from what he describes as the prophets of the Old Testament, particularly Abraham. God had promised to Abraham that the whole world would be put right through his descendant, and every nation on earth would be blessed. In fact, it's even smaller than nation. It's every clan on earth would be blessed. Now, in those of us from Britain, we've, unless you're from Scotland, you don't have clans so much now. Other people groups I go to have clans. They understand. It's smaller than a tribe, but bigger than an extended family. And the word that's used that the descendants of Abraham will bless every clan on earth. I have to be careful preaching on that in uh, Russia and Ukraine because they use the word clan for the mafia. Uh, and I could tell you some stories about that as well. But, like some of the churches we've now established in prisons there. All fun, well-functioning churches in prisons. Anyway, uh, but every clan is going to be blessed. And so Jesus took all those promises, they all centered in him, and he then accomplished the purpose of God of dying for the sins of the world, then said right now to his followers, you implement, the baton's passed to you now to implement that in this world. And that's what I want to talk about. So, what's the story? Well, Luke was a guy who wrote a two-volumed book, you know? Just this past week, we've had the second volume of The Mockingbird, uh, Harper Lee's book, and it took many, many years, about 50 years before the next one came out. But Luke, he had two volumes as well. And one is now called the Gospel of Luke. The other is called the Acts 
of the apostles. But it was just his two volumes of his research, really. And we're going to read from the end of his first volume. But in the beginning of the second volume, he gets this idea of passing on the responsibility. And so he starts off his second book. This is his introduction. It's an interesting introduction. In the first book, O Theophilus, Theophilus might have been a bloke, although the word means lover of God, so it could have been addressed to any of us. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. In other words, he began to do certain things. Now he does things through those he had chosen, which we're still part of in our generation. And Luke is full of great stories. Luke, we are the best storytellers that you could find. And, in fact, the story that he writes of the prodigal son is often described as the best story Jesus ever told. And Luke records that. And then he has another, the tale of the road to Emmaus is the finest scheme seen Luke ever sketched. So we're going to follow this great story. As background information for this story, when the Jews of that day referred to the, their Bible, which we call the Old Testament, they didn't call it the Bible or the Old Testament. They called it the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. That was how they described it. Whenever you come across, or sometimes in short form, the law and the prophets, or Moses and the prophets, that meant their Bible. Okay, that's important when you read it because it comes in this story. Well, it was later on Easter Sunday, the day that we know Jesus rose from the dead, and two of Jesus' followers or disciples who were not part of the twelve, but uh, were followers of Jesus, were, taking a, were walking from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. Now it says in our Bibles that Emmaus was seven miles from Jerusalem. Now actually, in the context there, and it fits the story better. It was probably three and a half miles, so it's seven miles there and back. Because at that time, everybody was gathered for the Passover. From, Jews from all over the world, literally, came from, came from all over the Middle East for the Passover. And lots of them had to be put up in the neighboring towns. There wasn't room for them in Jerusalem. And so they would... Have, and they were probably staying, this couple, in Emmaus, and were walking back there from Jerusalem, and it, for them to get to any of the festivities, it was a seven-mile seven journey. And one of them was called Cleopas, or Clopas, and we don't know much about him, but his wife was one of the people that stood round the cross when Jesus was crucified. And... It probably, but we can't say definitely, was Cleopas and his wife who were walking to Emmaus. And 
their faces were miserable as they walked along the road. And after a while, another traveller joined them. They didn't recognise him. Now Luke tells us, so I've got to tell him this story, I can't give you a shock at the end. Luke tells us it was actually the risen Jesus, but they didn't recognise him because Jesus' body was similar to before, but not quite the same, and they didn't recognise him. And so he said to them, why are you looking so sad? I mean, that's what you would say if you talk, encountered two miserable people on the tube, wouldn't you? You'd say, why are you so sad? Except you wouldn't, because we aren't supposed to speak to each other on public <laughs> transport. Those of you from other cultures, that's a, an important lesson to learn about the UK. Anyway, and, but in an Eastern context, that would be very natural. Why are you looking so sad? And he said, are you the only one who's been in Jerusalem this weekend and doesn't know what's happened? Jesus of Nazareth, one who we believe to be a prophet. We thought he would be the one who would rescue Israel from all of our enemies. You see, Israel was under occupation and had been for many years. Even though they were in their own land, they didn't rule the land. Other powers have ruled it for years. And the Jews were looking forward to what they called the second exodus. The first exodus was when they left Egypt many years before, 1,500 years or so before. The second exodus was when their enemies were going to be overthrown and they were going to be free again. And they'd longed for this for years. And they, thought, they said, we thought he would be the one who would come and free Israel. But instead of freeing him from the Gentiles, he... Gosh, my... Suddenly frozen. Never mind, I'll have to just tell you the story, won't I? And... Uh, <laughs> never happened before, ever when I've been preaching. <laughs> and... The... We thought he was going to be the one who would set Israel free. But instead of rescuing us from the Gentiles, as people who weren't Jews, they, thank you, instead of rescuing us from the Gentiles, they the Gentiles crucified him. And we really don't know what to do. But, and now we've heard some rumors. They obviously didn't believe them. There's some of our women... That wasn't complimentary. Some of our women went and said they had a vision of angels or something and that Jesus wasn't there anymore. And some of our people went and found it was so, but we, we just don't get that. Well, this stranger, remember they still didn't know who he was? You still don't understand. This is what the prophets foretold would happen. And I'd have loved to have been part of this little walk. This man started going right through the Old Testament, which I haven't got time to do today, 
Although I did hear, when did you say your Paul's book to? Seven o'clock this evening, but I'm not going to do that. It's all right. This, he, he started going right through the Old Testament and telling them that the Messiah that they were waiting for was going to suffer and then everything would come right again. Well, they eventually got to Emmaus. Now, those of you from Eastern context might understand this, but often in Eastern context, someone invites you to something or invites you to food, at first you say no, and then after they've really persuaded you, because you just want to know, are they meaning it? I remember a brother from North Africa giving a whole talk on how to greet and show that you mean it for Westerners who don't know how to do that. And, uh, and so he said, he said, Jesus, they said, why don't you come in and have some food with us? But it said, could you be Jesus a minute, Richard? But Jesus made as if he was going to go further. They said, no, 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 please, will you come? And they then realized, yes, this was very Eastern. Yes, they really wanted him to come in. They weren't just being polite. And so he went in to take food with them. And as they took food... It says, forgive me, as he took the bread and broke it, is this all right? <laughs> Just in that act, I said, it's Jesus! Wasn't our hearts burning within us? We wondered, this is something different. And immediately, even though it was late, it was evening, that's why they'd ask him for dinner, because it was late. They ran the three and a half miles. That's why I think it was three and a half rather than seven. <laughs> the three and a half miles back to Jerusalem to say, and go to the, all the other disciples, all the other followers of Jesus, and then they'd say, and tell them their great story. And when they got there, the others had heard as well some things. And they said, yes, he's indeed risen and has appeared to Simon, Peter. Wow. And so they're all quite excited, although still a little bit afraid, because they weren't quite sure what it all meant. And they were all gathering together, talking about this. And then Jesus... Through a locked door, we read from John, walked in and said to them, peace be to you. What's that mean? That's the greeting. Shalom. Assalamu alaikum. Whichever one you want. Doesn't quite work in English. We say, hi. <laughs> <laughs> but... Places that know how to greet. This will be, yeah, he's greeting them. He's, he's speaking to them. Very important. I remember 
guy leads our churches in Pakistan once, came to one of our international meetings, there were about 30 of us there, meeting I was leading, and he came in a day and a half late, because he got held up on the way. And he walked in, and someone was in full flight talking, and there were 30 of us in the room, and he came and shook hands with everybody all around the circle, because greeting is important. You've got to get into what the, the culture of the Bible. Now, they were afraid. They still weren't really expecting a bodily resurrection. They thought it was a ghost. Indeed, in their culture, they sometimes spoke about people's angels. In fact, when Peter came out of prison later, they didn't really believe he'd come out of prison, so they said it must be his angel. Some sort of spirit that represented him. And the and Jesus, no, no, come and look. A spirit, a ghost, doesn't have flesh and bones. Can you get into the drama of this, please? He said, why am I just telling all this story? You know it. No, no, no. We've got to get into these stories. To let the power of it transform us. And then, again, very Eastern, before he went on to explain, teach them or anything, First question, have you got anything to eat? You, you can't start doing the other stuff until you've had a meal, can you? Have you anything to eat? And they said, yeah, we've got some barbecued fish. So they served the barbecued fish to Jesus. You know, even in a resurrection body, we'll still enjoy barbecue, okay? <laughs> and... So they gave him barbecued fish. And then Jesus did it again. And he says, listen, isn't this everything that the prophets, the previous stage in the race, have said would have to happen? And Jesus then gave an amazing summary of the Old Testament promises. How would you, some of those, there's a few of you who know the Bible really well. How would you summarize the Old Testament? Well, this is how Jesus summarized it. The Old Testament promises, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. He told them this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Is that how you would have summarized the Old Testament? But that is, and sometimes I take time, haven't got time today, to show how that was the message of the Old Testament. The promise that through a suffering Messiah, the whole world will be transformed. And starting at Jerusalem, the gospel would go to every people group on earth. Okay. So the Messiah's mission was now fulfilled through suffering and resurrection. Your mission, he says, is now starting. It's over to you. The good news must be preached to every ethnic group. Okay? So it's all promised, first stage. Jesus fulfills it, second stage. We're going to act this out later, by the way, so get ready. And then, third stage, we, in every generation, take this same command and say, let us, as far as we can, 
take responsibility for reaching every people group in our generation. See? That's what Jesus is teaching. So what's this great story teaching? As I say, most of you have got it. And for those of you who like points, you see, some people like points in their sermons. And so I tell stories, but I, for those that like points, I always have to give them a few. Otherwise, those taking notes can't really do it. Okay, so... <laughs> beginning with... No, no, I can't quite do that to pull that one off. Okay. You have to be really clever to do that. Beginning with the same letter was what I said. Okay. So what's this great story teaching? Firstly, it's teaching that the Messiah... Israel's Messiah, the promised one, Messiah means the anointed one, or in Greek, Christ, Christos. The Messiah has accomplished the second great exodus. It's happened. The first great exodus took them out of slaves of Egypt. The second great exodus was very different. They were waiting for this Messiah to do it. The words of the first exodus, let my people go, were still ringing in their hearts as they are with every oppressed people across the world today. We praise God that those script, that scripture is understood by all oppressed peoples. Let my people go. But the second exodus is freedom not from those that held them in slavery to do hard work, but from the great enemies of the whole of creation. Death, sin, the devil, and dark spiritual powers. So, death was defeated by Jesus' resurrection. Hallelujah. Sin, through the cross, when Jesus died to carry the, the penalty that our sin deserved, means that they, so sins can be forgiven and the power of that sin broken. Second Exodus. Okay, second Exodus, death defeated, sin forgiven, and power broken, and dark spiritual powers. All the things that people all over the world fear are now defeated so that all authority is given to the Lord Jesus. That's the first, that's the second great Exodus. So, it also teaches us. New creation has begun. And Paul says later to explain this, if anybody is in Christ, that means, see, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, inaugurated the new creation. The old creation was Adam and Eve in the garden. The new creation was Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Not that he was created, but that he inaugurated that creation. He started it. Just giving you a bit of theology here, okay? So, then anybody who comes to believe in Jesus, the Bible says, anyone is in Christ, new creation has started. So, have, there's a few people here in Christ. They believe in Jesus. They've been singing to him. And for them, new creation has started. But Jesus, in his, he has a new physical body. He's not a ghost or a spirit, a body that gets hungry and enjoys barbecued fish, but could also disappear and reappear. It's like his old identity, but not quite like it. Our hope in the fourth stage of this relay race, 
Your relay races always have four stages, yeah? Fourth stage in this relay race is when Jesus returns, there's a new heaven and new earth, and all of us will not float around as disembodied spirits in the cloud somewhere. No, we will be on the renewed earth with everything put right in new bodies appropriate to the new creation that God has already done inside. And so we will have new creation bodies and we will enjoy barbecued fish too. Okay? <laughs> if you don't like fish, your new body will, okay? So our hope is resurrection of the body. Our spirit, when, we've someone di- when a believer dies, their spirits are with Christ. But our ultimate destiny is not going to heaven when we die. Our ultimate destiny is sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the dead. I think that should be on there somewhere. Okay. So, we already, part of the new creation in Christ, are responsible to announce what has happened to the whole world until there are believers gathered in churches in every place all over the world. That's why I love seeing churches planted while there aren't any believers. It's great to go to a place where there's no other believer. Start a church there. It's God's call upon us. It's both an individual and it has an outworking in secular space. Because who we are as individuals affects how we do our jobs, how we live for Christ in the world, not just by our witnessing, but just the way we do it. We do it as new people in Christ. We forgive when people hurt us. If only the message of forgiveness could be understood, we're forgiven. I mean, problems in this world would be massively transformed through forgiveness. Can't we do it? Peoples that have been at war for each other for generations, let forgiveness come. Let freedom come. Church hasn't always done that. Church in the past, even in past centuries, until Wilberforce changed things, even, a, even, adopt, even adopted slavery. It was terrible because we weren't living out who we are as our new free people. But it has an outworking in secular space. And the other the final thing we learn from this is meals are very important. <laughs> Strange. Kingdom of God is often li- likened to a feast. And that, we don't just spiritualize that. We have great fun. Enjoy, because God has created everything for our enjoyment. Understand? And the new creation will reflect that with when we enjoy breaking, when we enjoy eating fish together. But now, in anticipation of that, we break bread. Okay? That's what we do. We break bread in anticipation of the great feast that we're going to enjoy when people from every people group are all gathered in. That's what that story teaches. More is needed. Jesus says, when you receive power... You'll do this. Okay? He says this at the end of the story. When you receive power, you'll do it. So, we've got a relay race. 
And I'd like to have, we've got a good plot of space in this building, so it's great. Okay, I picked this up this morning. I actually took Scylla's rolling pin at first, but she said that might give the wrong impression. <laughs> Didn't want to get arrested on the way down as coming with a vicious weapon. So, I'd like four strong, fast runners to come and join me, please. Okay, men and women, yes. Okay. One. You okay? One more. Come on, someone else. Okay, right. Okay. Right. Your, your name is? Farai. Okay, Farai. You are the first stage of the real race. You represent God's promise to Abraham and all of the Old Testament. You take the baton, because that's what first comes. Okay. Sandra, could you go right over to that corner over there where those chairs are piled up? Because you're standing for where Jesus fulfilled, took, his, took those promises and fulfilled them all in his death and resurrection. Corfu, can you go over there? About where that fire extinguisher is. Okay. You are, you represent all of us in every generation. Okay. You take the bat on and you say, we are running with it to every people group on earth in our generation. Ade. Okay, you represent the second coming of Christ. When everything will be put right. Okay. Right. What I want you to do is to do this relay race. And I will, as you run, I will describe who you are. Okay? Off you go. The Ab God has promised to Abraham that every nation will be blessed through him. Jesus came. Come on. Jesus came, fulfilled those promises through his death and resurrection. And then we take up the baton, we preach the gospel to every generation until Christ returns. Simple, isn't it? That's the story of the Bible. Let's just read it, shall we? That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles, or three and a half miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, the second exodus. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they didn't find his body. 
they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they didn't see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoken. First stage of the race. Was not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. See, it's Eastern. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how it was made known to them in the breaking of bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you got anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled, that means barbecued, fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, that's the Old Testament, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written. That Christ should suffer on the third day rise from the dead and repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem that's the story see you all listened to it when I read it at the end didn't you because God's going to take the baton for your generation are you going to preach the gospel? Some of you will go to other people groups. Some of you will reach people here. Some of you will go to places where there aren't any believers in Jesus. And we fulfill what God has consistently promised through the scriptures, fulfilled in his son and worked out in his church until his son comes back. That's the plan of God. Paul said, I taught you the whole plan of God. That's in brief, what it is. God bless you as you take that up.